Hey, everybody. Hey, uh, let me, if you don't mind, get straight to the point. So Matthew 11 says this. This is in your Bible. Uh, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and, heavy, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you, let's just say it together nicely, rest. Hmm. Just feels good. Here's what I know. Many of us don't feel that. Uh, you, you might maybe have a good night's rest. Maybe. And then though you realize it's not just about my body, my mind. We live in a world now that's constantly distracted and going crazy in essence. And we see a lot of bad. We see a lot of good. And it, there's this pull back and forth. And then there's this verse that we opened up this series about. Uh, like, come, come to Jesus. And when you and I Come to Jesus. It's not just like a salvation moment, a one-time thing. It's like the word to go to Jesus over and over. And what do we go to him with? It's these burdens, these heavy things, these anxieties, these stress points. And he will help us. That's why. That's amazing. And that's wonderful. But some of us are like, going to Jesus isn't the easiest thing. And here's what I'm going to, I would like to be, what's the word, a non-presumptuous, it's the biggest word I've used lately, a non-presumptuous pastor and say, what if, what if we weren't all taught how to go to Jesus? Like beyond the go to the altar, go to the altar, go to the altar, which is great, but what if there's more to that? And that's what this whole series is about. If you missed the first week, don't worry. There's a thing called the internet. Some of you are watching right now on the internet. and You can go get caught up. Here's what we're talking about. Here's what we go to Jesus with, how we go to Jesus. It's called spiritual disciplines. We're calling them anchors. They're things that you and I, the practices, the actual actions that we do, that when you go to Jesus and you got burdens and you're weary and you got this stuff and you won't rest, and you're like, I want that. i got to wait till church comes. No. No, there's a lot more. So spiritual disciplines, I think it's, I don't want to say it's forgotten because we're talking about it, so technically it's not forgotten. I think it's a neglected thing for many of us Christians where we're like, well, the spiritual disciplines, going to Jesus seems random and not extremely on purpose. Richard Foster said this about spiritual disciplines, if this is all brand new to you. A farmer is helpless to grow grain. Not in South Dakota, we would amen that, but anyways... Uh, all he can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of grain. He cultivates the ground, he plants the seed, he waters the plants, and then the natural forces of the earth take, o take over and up comes the grain. This is the way it is with spiritual discipline. They're a way of sowing to the Spirit. By themselves, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. And that's what I'm, gonna, I'm going to now assume this on you, what you want. You want God involved. When you're talking to him, you want it to be real and legit. When you're spending time with him, when you're thinking about him, when you're doing life, you want this to be authentic, not fake or some kind of like, I'm just trying to be religious. So each week, I'm going to give you an anchor, okay? Not, not literally, for those of you like, I don't, I, I'm holding my coffee. No, I, I'm going to give you an anchor. And, and this anchor, this spiritual discipline is something you can use and ought to use, ought to use, you should use it, you better use it. Just getting stronger language. Uh, this anchor to go to God. So here's the first one we're going to talk about. The Bible. Now, 
Some of us were taught different things and we hear different things and we're like, what are we talking about? So I created a list. Most of this list comes from the Bible, words about the Bible from the Bible. But I, uh, I started off, uh, it's called the Bible. Do you want to know what I do in my office all week long? That. You can laugh. It's okay. Some of you are like, I don't know. Uh, these are different words. If you hear about the Bible, you're like, is it the Bible? Uh, the gospel. Now, the gospel is not the whole Bible, but it's a part of the Bible. And so if someone says, have you read the gospel? Do you know the gospel? You're like, should I? <laughs> that's, that's a portion of, of the Bible. Uh, scripture. You'll hear this actually very regular. Like, do you have your scripture? Open up the scripture. The scripture says, and you're like, is that another book? Is there a hidden book that I don't know about? No, that's the Bible as well. The scroll. You, I mean, you might have scrolls. That's fine. If you ever go to Israel with me, I can actually show you some old, old, old scrolls. Each book of the Bible was on its own scroll. That's why you don't carry scrolls because it's just not going to happen. Uh, the scrolls literally were, were written on. It's, it's an amazing process you should study sometime. But God's Word, you'll hear me talk about God's Word. I'll explain more of that in the sermon. About If you ever hear someone like, have you read God's Word? Do you know God's Word? You're like, no, He never talks audibly to me. Like This is frustrating. Well, the Bible is called God's Word. So I'm just giving you truth. Uh, sword, when I was a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing, that my Bible was a sword, so I would beat kids up with it. It's all, don't worry about it. Um, and then for some of us, maybe one of the, the least attractive, it's the law of the Lord. You're like, Ugh, right? But and I, I know you may not love law and, and rules, but, but the Bible is full of them. And so if you'll read the Bible, you'll actually learn pieces in there. It says it's the law of the Lord. I was getting a couple of things for my car. Don't worry, it wasn't too much. I did not destroy my car. Uh, I went to an auto parts place, ran into someone who goes to East. Hi, hi, East. And uh, introduced himself, and we just began chatting. And it was interesting that I had already had this sermon written. And he begins to bring up a conversation he's been having with his spouse, his wife. And uh, she wasn't raised in such a way where when they read the Bible, they didn't read the Bible a whole lot, and she didn't really look at the Bible a whole lot. And so she was kind of looking over her shoulder, I guess, the other day, or seeing what he was reading, and he had his Bible opened and noticed that some of the letters were read. I know some of you are like, oh, those are the words of Jesus. So here's what I'd like to be. Would you give me some permission to not assume a dang thing about anyone right now? And say that you and I need to actually focus on what anchors do we need in our lives. Let's be non-presumptuous about this. And let's say we got to get into the Bible. Now, now here I think the next logical question is, pastor gets up, preaches a sermon, says let's read the Bible. He's done. He could just end there and go. Nah. Because I don't want you just to become a good religious person that reads your Bible and doesn't even know why. So Hebrews 4 gives us some insight. For the word of God is alive and powerful. I'm not going to show you the rest of the verse until later, but for the Word of God, okay, no, class, we've already learned what the Word of God is, right? It's the Bible. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. If you're ever going to open up a Bible or open up that Bible app, however you read the Bible, and you're going to begin reading, you are not trying to be and should not be trying to be religious. You're accessing some power, something that is alive and well. And this is important because if you're ever going to even have any interest in reading the Bible, you need to know what's really going on. It's the Word of God. So let me help you know what the Word of God looks like and feels like. 
You go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Basic insight here. Then God said, and this is the telling of creation. Then God said, then God said, God didn't think it, God said it. Then God said, let there be light. And guess what happened? Light did. You and I can only do this now thanks to Alexa, right? <laughs> right? God, it wasn't available, it wasn't an option, and he physically created it. And how did he physically create it? He said, we keep reading, we're going to learn a little bit more. Then God said, let there, let there be space between the waters, separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. Because he said it. That's what happened. That's how God works. That's how powerful his words are. If you still haven't gotten the drift, I'll do one more. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may, be, may appear, because not everyone is a sea person. Some people are mountain people. And that is what happened. You can keep reading, keep reading, and you're going to see this over and over. God said, and it happened. God said, and it happened. If anyone has that power with their words, you and I should be looking at what those words are. It's just logical if someone can do that. So back to Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. You should want to know his words. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Maybe that's why some of us aren't reading it. Right? It exposes what may not be going well in your life. It exposes maybe some ideas about this world that you think are true but aren't. It's, it's alive and powerful. There's another place in the Bible, 2 Timothy talks about just, just using the Bible. Uh, you have been taught... The Holy Scriptures from childhood. Now, stop. I don't think this is in my notes, but some of you are like, no, I was not taught since childhood what the Bible says. And if I were, I'm not going to, if I were to ask, hey, who finds the Bible kind of confusing? Where do you start and how do you read it? And it doesn't make sense. And, and so you don't read it. I want you to know that one of the most Powerful times of life is when you're a child, right? Your brain is a sponge. What my kids can learn in one day takes me years. I was going to say months, but years. Uh, let technology kind of teach you the older that you get, where they just get it and you're like, I cannot figure this out, right? So rather than you being a person who laments that you weren't taught when you were young about this stuff and so you just don't know it, so you're just not going to get into it? That's a poor excuse. Scripture says you have been taught the Holy Scripture since childhood. Listen, don't just lament about it. Maybe make a difference where you're going, wait a minute. Kids need to know Scripture early on and not later on. Let's do it now. Uh-huh. If that sounds like a plug for the kids' ministry, you caught my drift. Okay, back to the sermon. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God. Now stop. If you want to know, if you're like, I wonder what this church believes about the Bible. 
we have taken from the Bible what we believe about the Bible. All Scripture, not portions of it, not the stuff that we just kind of like, the stuff that we don't like, the stuff that frustrates us. All, all Scripture is inspired not by you and I, Inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Do we not live in an era that seems to be struggling with what is true and what is false? All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. Because you know what? We can be wrong. You'll learn that. And teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. If you feel like, I'm not prepared. I don't know what to do. I need help from God. He's like, I've given you help. The Bible. But we're using excuses. We don't know it. It's old. But here's another that I've been hearing. But, but since we have Jesus, do we even need the Bible? I mean, Jesus lived, and, and you could even maybe say, I don't even need the Old Testament anymore. That's kind of old stuff for a different time, and so I don't even need it anymore. We're going to throw that away. And we can just read the stuff about Jesus, exclusively about Jesus. That's it. None of it is, is, is relevant except for that part. And since we even have Jesus, and we got the two commandments that he said, hey, I'm going to boil it all down. So now that he said that, do we even need the Bible at all because he boiled it all down? I think it's a logical question. I'm not hating on it. Should we throw the Bible away? I know some of you are like, what? Let's let Jesus, who summarized all of the law, teach us if you and I should throw away the Bible. Okay? Okay, Matthew 5. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. Another terminology about he's referring to what you and I would call a portion of the Old Testament. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. He's talking about the Old Testament. I didn't come to abolish it. I didn't come for you to throw it away. I came to accomplish their purpose. This is Jesus saying, don't throw the Bible away. Use it. But here, full disclosure. Would you like full disclosure? That statement from Jesus is not what convinces me to read my Bible. I'd like to talk to you about why I actually read my Bible. Every morning, I get up. I drink coffee before I read the Bible. I feel like I should confess that to you, but I get some coffee first. <laughs> and, and I read my Bible uh, about every morning. Um, and, and if you think, well, it must be nice. Uh, sometimes that's with a three-year-old driving his Hot Wheels on my face. Okay? <laughs> I, like, just... If you want to know why, I, I, my intentions are not for God to like me for that day. <laughs> it's, it's, actually, it, it's not for me to figure out something to say for a sermon because the day's coming, i got to preach something, so I should read it. What pushes me into the Bible and makes me want to read it, legitimately want to read it, is another moment about Jesus. It's when he was facing temptation, and I want you to show you what happens when Jesus faced temptation. This is in Matthew 4. During, 
During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. If you're new to this, you're like, that seems random. Not so much, actually. Uh, Jesus had not been eating for a long time. So the idea of bread sounded probably magnificent at the moment. Now, I would not have been tempted to turn it into bread. That would have done nothing for me. If he had said turn it into ribs or German chocolate cake, I don't know, but I'd be like, if we're, if we're dreaming here, let's dream big. But anyways, not a part of us. But Jesus told him to the devil, no, the scriptures say. I mean, this is Jesus. He can say whatever he wants to say. He could have stopped it. No, right? No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. He's quoting scripture. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Interesting that Jesus would decide to quote scripture in this tempting moment. There's, a, there's another temptation. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say. There's a whole nother sermon there. If you're, if you're not catching that, the devil is using, he, the devil's quoting scripture to Jesus. I would have considered that an awkward moment. <laughs> the devil quotes scripture to Jesus to try to trick Jesus. I wonder if he's doing the same thing these days. Unfortunately, every time someone tells you about what the Bible means, it's not always correct. Unfortunately, the devil likes to twist Scripture because he thinks you and I will just hear Scripture and then just like do whatever in the moment. You need to know, here's a brief moment in the Bible that says the devil seems to know the Bible. So shouldn't you, if he's going to use it against you? If you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Again, scripture. There's a third temptation. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you if you kneel down and worship me. Jesus appears to have had enough. Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Here's your lesson if you missed it. Jesus brought scripture to his battles. And right now, do you know how many Christians are trying to fight life with their thoughts and their opinions? Their well wishes, their friend's advice, and unfortunately what Google tells them to do. Have you, have you ever been to WebMD? <laughs> Some of you are like, no, right, because I mean, it'll tell you, oh, you got a cough, you need to call the family in, it's not good, right? So, <laughs> so listen, why are we looking for things that are even more meaningful than our physical health? on Google. Why not do what Jesus did and he used scripture? 
Uh, reading the Bible, uh, here's our objective. You need to see this because uh, I'm not trying to teach you to be some religious uh, nut job. Like, I don't want you to be like, well, I'm going to carry, I got to start carrying my Bible so that the pastor thinks I'm spiritual or no, 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 no. Uh, here's some basic objectives. There's even more. You can make the list longer. We're going to concentrate on what God said. The goal of opening up your Bible or scrolling through verses is so that you will concentrate on what God said. That's the goal. It's not all of a sudden that you know everything, understand everything, and get this whole thing just locked in. It's going, man, I concentrate on a lot of things throughout the day. I want to make sure that I'm concentrating on God's word because God's word is alive and powerful. So when you read the Bible, the agenda is what has God said? I'm going to focus, concentrate on that. Student, not teacher approach, right? Some of us just need to be reminded of this. Uh, that we go to the Bible not to tell the Bible what it means, but to let God speak to us about what we need to know. And so this is a student agenda. In other words, open hands, open heart, right? Where you open up your Bible, you start reading and going, I may not like what I read. It may take me some time to digest it, understand it. It may say something about my life that I have to stop or start, but I'm going to go in with open hands, open heart. I grew up being taught, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Anyone else learn, learn this? Like, you know, you watch the bad stuff, and the bad stuff comes out. Garbage in, garbage out. So I was also taught this beauty in, beauty out. Right? Good in, good out. So, so if I spend my day not just taking in what a news channel has to say about life and what, what should matter, I know no one else does that. Rather than going to social media to see what's important for the day, Rather than just going to work and maybe hearing some gossip or going and hanging out with my negative friend to hear what is going on in someone else's life. What if I focus on what God has to say and what he said and my heart gets shaped? But you got to be teachable. That's why I think there's a leadership lesson here. For those of you leadership nuts, here's a leadership lesson. Teachability and liability. It's a basic principle in life. It's not just leadership in the sense of like if you got a business, but there's teachability and liability. Teachability, you know what it is. You don't need me to describe it too much, but, but then there's liability. Let me, let me give you a definition. I looked up a definition of liability that, I, I don't know, I thought it was strong. Anything that hurts your chances of success or that causes difficulties. It's a liability. What I'm trying to show you is that if you aren't a teachable person, if you can't go to God to let him actually tell you what's true and to be teachable, you've become your own liability. You've become your own difficulty that you're lamenting to God to take away, but you've become your own liability. You see, okay, married people, here. <laughs> if the day you get married, you thought you knew all that you needed to know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Then you're not teachable. And your marriage now has a liability, and it's your first name. If you're a parent and you're like, well, I don't have anything to do. I, I watched what my parents did, so I'm either going to do the opposite of or the exact same thing, right? You, you've become a liability. The same thing is with God. If you don't allow God to teach you things that might be difficult or, or have a long-term effect, 
you have become your own liability. So I've tried to practice this in my life, and I thought, how can I show you? So I'm, I'm showing you a screenshot. This is literally a screenshot. I use uh, the Notes app in my phone. And, and of all the things I take, I take too many notes, just so you know. I, the funny thing is, I did the opposite in school. The complete opposite. So now I take lots of notes because I forget stuff and I want to remember stuff. And in one particular tab, I've got a leadership tab. Now, uh, this is an example because, so right now, like in this specific part of my phone, um, I've got five trainings that I've recently done with pastors. Uh, you don't have to worry about this, but this is, these are just trainings that I do. Like I sit down, they ask questions, I share with them this training. It's kind of one-sided in that I'm, I'm the teacher, right? But you'll notice that when I'm learning... Uh, outnumbers what I'm teaching. In this tab, and I'm not showing it to you because I, you get really personal, there's, there's names of people, ones that you'll know and that you won't know. There's, there's people that are called cool in there and there's people that you're like, why in the world are you learning from that person? I don't like it that you're learning from that person. But I think this ought to be an example of Christians going, I've got stuff to learn. And it's not that you accept everyone's personal beliefs and all that they do with their life in the moment that you ask the question. But it's that you're asking the question. I, you probably have questions. Let me, let me give you, a, this is a brief list. This is a short list. Um, God is. If I were to ask you to fill in that blank, don't worry about it. You don't have to do that right now. But if I were to say God is, you fill that up. You finish that. God is. And you might say God is love. God is. And you, you, here's my question. Where did you get your answer? Or God wants, right? God wants. If, you, if, you, if, if I ask you, what does God want? And you're like, well, I'll tell you what God wants or what I think God wants. And you fill in the answer whether you like it or not. My next question is, where did you get that from? Your purpose. Where did you get that from? Dating. Come on. From what I hear, dating's crazy town these days. Okay? You can amen that if you want. But it's what I, it's what I hear that it's a little... Um, if, if you want to know what dating should incorporate and what it shouldn't, right? My question to you is, where'd you get your answer? Uh, forgiveness. Should I forgive them? How do I forgive them? Is forgiveness even necessary? What is forgiveness? And you got your answer, because we all got our answers, whether we formally done it or not. Where did you get your answer? How about money? Let's talk about money. How you manage your money, how you spend your money, how you give your money, how you invest your money, what you don't do with your money, what you do with your money, right? All those kinds of things. Where'd you get your answer? If you got your answer and it conflicts with God's word, you have a problem, and that's a liability. Psalm 119. How can a young person stay pure? What a wonderful question. By obeying your word. If you're not reading into this, you should. <laughs> Meaning that maybe I'm going to struggle even more so with staying pure if I don't know the word of God. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands, which are in the word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations that's been the word and you, that you have given us. You, I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Just another place in the Bible of another writer going, 
Oh my, I need the Bible. Others need the Bible. The only way to function in life is to know what God's word says. I don't want to forget it. Let me tell you a story. True story. Dates back a little bit uh, when uh, Russia was trying to make the whole world communist. And their agenda was this. If you don't know about uh, history, teach you a little bit about communism. I know you didn't come here for this, but just listen. Uh, Communism, the only way for communism to actually work and thrive is it has to coexist with atheism. You can't have a bunch of people who believe in God and for communism to work. They, 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 they butt heads too much. So if you're going to be a good communist leader, don't do it. But anyways, if you're going to be a good communist leader, then you've got to get people to think that there is no God so that the, the leader, you can catch in that, that's why you have to do this. So uh, a while back, uh, the Russians were like, we've got to make everyone atheist, but you can't really force someone to be atheist, so you have to indoctrinate people over time, over and over and over. One of their tactics was this. They found comedians to put atheistic type of jokes into their bits and over time got people desensitized with it. I'll give you one example. A comedian was actually hired by the Russians. And they said, all right, here's the deal. Um, Every single time you do a whole night of comedy and you actually bash Christianity, specifically the Bible, we will reward you. Now, this is a guy who actually had grown up memorizing the Bible. He had grown up in a family of faith. But he took the bait. So his comedy bit would be all over the place. He dressed up actually like a priest, wore the robe, and he put wine stains all over it and mocked like crazy a part, of the, part of the whole thing was he would quote the Beatitudes. If you're unfamiliar with the Beatitudes, it's in the Bible where it talks, blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the. Uh, well, he used that, but he twisted it. Uh, you're going you're gonna to think, can I laugh at that? You're not bad if you laugh at this. I'm just going to But he would use phrases like this. He distorted the words, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for vodka. Now, you're like, okay, that does sound very Russian. Okay. Right? So I just have to give you permission because you're like, oh, oh no. I got, I got, um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for vodka. Blessed are the cheesemakers. And he just began to, he began to take scripture and twist it to mock it so that those would laugh at it and then begin to like get desensitized and say, you know what? That Bible's kind of, I don't, that's dumb. I'm not going to be a part of that. That's weird. Building up atheism. One night he's doing his act. People are rolling. He's about to get to the vodka line, and he knows it's going to roar. But something happens. As he begins to recite the scripture, but then change it, he accidentally just recites the scripture. Perhaps you've done this before where you said something, but you kind of just said it out of habit, or you missed your turn off because you're going to where you normally go, right? Yeah. He just began unknowingly in the moment quoting the scripture, blessed are those who mourn, and just being one after the other. Everyone got quiet. He finishes that part and realizes what just happened. And he fell to the ground, began weeping, and had a bit of a, what you and I might call a, a rededication salvation moment where he realized the word of God is alive and powerful. 
Now, part of why I know this story is true is because we never hear of him ever again. He is dragged off the stage, never seen again, likely taken to a labor camp as the Russians tried to squash what God does not allow to be squashed. The Bible can change your life if you let it. Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Come on, church. Like, do you not want someone to light the path up a little bit at moments where you're like, I don't know what to do or how to do it? I parenting, name, whatever it is. You're like, I want that, the word of God. So let me give you very tactical, practical steps. Here's three things. If you don't take notes, start taking notes. Here, here you go. Bible. Step one, read it. You're welcome for that. Jeremiah 15, 16. Uh, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. When I discovered them, I devoured them. Don't stop reading even if you don't understand it. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. It's fascinating how much time you and I will give maybe a new movie. Well, we won't even understand what they're talking about, what they're doing, but we give it time even though we have no idea what's going on. Some of us will, will grind through a, an episode or two where we're like, Man, I don't even like those episodes, but I really want to like this show. I'm really going to learn it. The Bible demands that we read it. So let's start reading it. And you're like, I don't know where to start. All right, here, let me help. <laughs> you text me. This is not a spam. I'm not going to sell you anything for those of you like, oh, this is how he sells his stuff. Or, no, no. Uh, text the word Bible to me. That's me. I promise you that's me. I have to tell people all the time it's really me. And we kind of go through this awkward 15 minutes of how do I let you, you want a picture right now? Like, well, I don't know, like it's me, I promise. Uh, text the word Bible to me and I will get you some reading plans, 30 day ones, 90 days, whatever you want to do. I'll help you get reading. And then as you read and you have questions, you can just text me, hey David, I read this today and it was crazy. Or I don't understand it and I'll help you, okay? No more excuses. Start reading your Bible. Second, meditate on it. Not in the weird way. Some of you are like, this, see, this is where it goes weird. You're like, we just start to cross our legs and move. No, 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 no. Uh, Psalm 1, uh, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Well, how do you not do that? Or stand around with sinners. How do you not do that? Or join in with mockers. How, how do I not do that? Where they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. How do you make decisions for God in the midst of difficult times? You spend the day meditating on Scripture. Let me take you through David's 45-second class on meditating on Scripture. You ready for this? All right, here we go. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. That's in the Bible. Psalm 23. Here's an idea tomorrow. You read, the Lord is my shepherd. You might not even need to read it now. You just, the Lord is my shepherd. You might even have it memorized. The Lord is my shepherd. Then meditate it all day long. Where you begin to ask yourself, okay, the Lord is my shepherd. Who? Who is really leading me? And you live, God, God, am I letting you be my shepherd? You don't have to have an answer in the moment. You just begin, God, are, God, are you leading me? Am I, who is guiding me? That's meditating on scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. Spend the rest of the day, God, am I letting you? After a conversation that you have with someone, God, did I just let you be my shepherd in what I said and what I chose not to say? Let's take one more step. Psalm 23, I have all I need. So you can do that the next day. 
I have all I need. God, help me trust you with what I need. Am I okay with what you provide? And just all day long, meditate on it. Dwell on it. All day long, you're like, I don't have to have this all memorized and verses and chapters. No, you just meditate it all day long. Let it speak. If you want to know, this is what I do in the morning. I read a little blip, and the rest of the day, I let God plug and play that in all day long. And it's amazing. Sometimes it's painful, but it's good. Last one. Memorize it. Now, this is where some of us adults are like, mm, nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart. How does one do so? You memorize what you have read. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So let me give you two basic pieces of life. One, I've already told you that when you're a kid, your brain is a stinking sponge, right? So I don't care if you have kids or not. If you're an empty nester or not, listen. One of the priorities, if you are a Christian in your life, should be to help kids memorize Scripture. Mm -hmm. It should actually be a priority in life that the Word of God is put into the hearts of children because the Word of God is truth. And we live in a world right now, guess who else is a part of this project? The world is going, oh, we'll tell you what to do. The second part is, I don't care if you're an adult, you can still memorize stuff. Just got to take a little slower. So start memorizing. You got me? Start memorizing, start memorizing, start memorizing. The Word of God is an incredible anchor. I dare you to try it. Let me pray for us, Heavenly Father. Thanks for meeting with us as you always do. We learn that you're going to meet with us from your Bible. God, thank you for the truth that is there. Thank you for the difficult stuff to process that's in there. Thank you for the stories that are in there. Thank you for the insight into who you are and what you're like, what you love and who you love and how you function. God, thank you for all of that. Lord, would you help us to be a church that leans on, that stands on what you say. Lord, give us the courage to study it, to learn it, to incorporate it. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.